Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa Hawkeyes fell for the second consecutive game, this time on the road at the hands of the Minnesota Gophers. Down big at the half, the Hawkeyes on the comeback trail. Isaiah Moss, a big night. This is Moss as a trailer. Dies for the lane and scores. And here comes... Moss finished with 23 as the Hawkeyes fall 92-87. A big reason the play of Amir Coffey. That's called the short corner where Murphy catches the ball. That's the deep corner where Coffey swoops in. And with the left hand, finishes. Can you say Dr. J? The call from FS1, Rich Walls, and Bob Wenzel. The Hawkeyes are 16-5, and 5-5 and in Big Ten play. They look to bounce back Friday night against 6th-ranked Michigan. Tonight, Big Monday in the Big 12. Baylor's at Oklahoma. TCU travels to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour, final hour of the program. Trent and I are here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon talking sports with you. Coming up this hour, about 10 minutes or so away from Rob Doster, NBCSports.com, part of College Basketball Talk, one of their national columnists. We will uh, talk college basketball from a national point of view with Rob Doster as we do every Monday. But prior to that, Ryan Van Bibber, SBNation.com, will get our first look at the Super Bowl 53 with Ryan Van Bibber as both of the teams have arrived. And by the way, did you see uh, Wade Phillips wearing his Papa's jacket? Yes. onto the plane and the cowboy hat. Do you remember that picture of Bum Phillips wearing Absolutely. that coat? Absolutely. I mean, that was, what a, what a pretty cool picture that was. Definitely was. Yep. And if you've ever listened to Wade Phillips, I know certainly you have throughout the mm-hmm. years uh, with his affiliation with the Broncos for a number of years. He is uh, a guy that loved his old man. Yeah, he sure did. I mean, you, you talk about somebody and, and the way people talk about their father. Well, you know his Twitter, you know his Twitter handle? Mm-mm. Son of Bum. Really? Yeah, that's that's Wade that Phillips. That says on it all, right. right there. So I was uh, peeking around, and we're talking about the Iowa four game stretch, and they're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Two games in, zero and two, and two more remaining. Michigan on Friday, and then on the road for Indiana. Think of the four game stretch that Iowa State just came off of, right on the heels of a home loss to K State mm-hmm. at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were unbeaten at the time in conference play. Okie State at home, okay, yeah. And then at Kansas and at Ole Miss. Right. And Ole Miss, at that time, was playing incredibly well. Right. It, and, and the Kansas game, Trent? I mean, they're, they didn't win it. Outside of Cyclone Jerry, did anybody have this team 3-1 and one in this four-game stretch? Mm. You didn't give them a chance to go down to Lubbock. I felt good about that one. No, I thought I thought at the time Texas Tech was the best team in the country. Now I picked them to win, beat Old Miss, but I also picked I would pick off Minnesota uh, yesterday. Three and one? No, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, two and two. You it signed was, for it, two and two. It was hopefully you can get yep. to two and two. Yeah, that Oklahoma was State hope. at home, they'll take care of business there. Texas Tech not going to be easy. Kansas, they clobbered them earlier in the year, so it's going to get payback here. That's mm-hmm. going to be he's got a chance to be ugly. And then Old Miss, top twenty-five team on the road. Outside of a short stretch, this team should have been four and zero. It could have been. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, that, what was it? A twelve or a fourteen zero run at that point in the middle, a week ago tonight, right? Uh, Big Monday in Lawrence was a week ago. So with eleven remaining, 
Yeah, you told me 10 It was earlier. 10, yeah. yeah. And it was 11. I miscounted when, right. I, when we were so talking So then about the it. number's clearly over. It's over, yeah. yes. So then if you put it at eight and a half, nine and two, the stretch is not overly daunting. No. It's the Big 12. It's deep. I get Oklahoma's that. Oklahoma's got one guy, right? Christian James is a really good player. He's been there. I mean, senior. And they're a better team than they were a year ago. I, I think. think so. I mean, yeah, they were... Uh, it was Trey Young and everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah, and uh, let uh, let him, you know, do what he does. And, and Maddox still there doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I really like him. Yeah, I like James better. Yeah, oh yeah. I think he's a better player. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, those are winnable games, and Texas is... They got athletes, Trent. I don't know what it is about this Texas team. You know, there, there's been times I've seen them play this year, then you think, boy, oh boy. You know, once they figure it out, they're going to be a huge pain in the you-know-what. Well, you know, Mitra Long will have probably a big game against Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> Junior. Yes. By the way, glad you brought up Mitra Long. Um, after the uh, after the Iowa game, what did you watch? Did you watch anything after Iowa-Minnesota yesterday? Uh, at one point, I was watching rugby on CBS Sports Network. Really? For about three minutes. Yeah. Uh, and there was nothing on last night. I got I, yelled at. Oh. I had the uh, one of my guilty pleasures, and I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Uh-huh. The Swamp People. I love the Swamp People. I know. I'm the same way. And wife came into the bedroom. They, they had a marathon all weekend long. Prior to Iowa State. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. So. Oh, it's So great. they were all new to me. Troy. Troy Landry. Yes. <laughs> King of the Swamp. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I watched Minis- the, the T-Wolves and the Jazz last night. Oh, I did watch a little Bucks. That was on ESPN, Bucks Thunder. Was it on That ESPN? was other sports, but other well, than Well, the reason people. I bring up Utah, yeah. you see, and I'm, I guess I don't watch a lot of Utah games, mm-hmm. the the unis that they had on last night. Were they the oranges? Yes. Yeah. The orange and yellow looked like, I mean, looked like a flame, kind of. They right? wore those a lot in the playoffs Apparently last year. Apparently so, and I don't know. I guess I never, I'd never seen them until last night. I oh. Like, I wanted to adjust my television set. Is the... The contrast off. Oh, I thought Isn't that. I what thought you it, had to do back in the day with the TV? Yeah, I don't. You had to get up and change the yep. channel. You had to flip around with the knobs. No, no, you batted on the side of the TV. I don't know what you were thinking to do. Something must have got out of kilter, and you're going to hit your uh, your your the television box or whatever it's called, and it's going to come back. And I know I wasn't alone doing that. If you're my age, you did it as well. Um, yeah, just just kind of weird. Hey, one story that that I saw from yesterday mm-hmm. uh, before we get Ryan Van Bibber on here. Did you see Adam Schefter's piece? And I guess this is a story, Trent, that that four of the officials in the NFC Championship game have California ties. Where was he going with that? Is 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 he alluding that because of the fact that four of these guys live in California, that that's why there was no whistle on the pass interference? But where were they going? I I could understand this being a story if it was four guys from Pittsburgh, if it was and the Steelers were involved. <laughs> okay, yeah. I I would, but a city like that, yeah, not the state of California, right? Right. I mean, it, it, and the Rams have been there for two years. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were there at one time. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And these guys can't do a Rams or a Chargers game if you live in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a, an official in, he does not get that official does not get assigned to a Detroit home game. This we see this a lot in college officiating. I know you've seen what well, is it? The, the only one Van Vark, Brad Van Vark, yes. whose wife used to work here by the way. Oh really? I liked Janine a lot. Yeah. She was in she was she uh sold advertising for a long time. Uh Brad Van Vark is an Iowa guy, mm-hmm. lives in Pella 
he gets Iowa State games, not a bunch, maybe one one a year. Seemingly, he gets. Uh, he's a white hat. He's a white hat. Yep, he's a white hat. I remember when Iowa had the long home winning streak end at Kinnick back in the mid two thousands against Michigan, mm-hmm. and it was a Bill Winovic. How, how? Yeah, 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 yeah. The old guy with the with the yes. uh, the deep voice, right? And he was not well liked around no. Iowa City after that one. No, but I got. And then it. found out he was from Michigan. Yeah, and of course. He, you know the conspiracy mm-hmm. theories that will follow. Mm-hmm. I guess. His daughter went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. He's in the Lloyd Carr. I don't know if they golf together. You know, all those all those different things that come out. I guess you want to stay away from it, though, right? Just because. Don't you have another crew? But you're assigned this based on merit. True story. I mean, the, the, yes. You get, so, I don't know. I guess it's going to be a talker all week long. I, I, I hope, hope it's not. not. <laughs> I, I hope it is. Um, I hope it's the same way. Hey, you know, speaking of officials, and I, I saw this uh, last week, and I don't remember the umpire who just passed away, Jerry. Oh, he just he just like seventy three years old. Um, anyways, got me to thinking about our umps, right? The Des Moines umps. Yeah. Since we're talking about. I was just talking about Cooper the other day with well, somebody, in fact. You know, there was a time when Eric Cooper and Tim McClellan had a show on KXNO. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was either Tuesday or Thursday night. You know how fortunate, I mean, you know how big of a feather in a cap for for this station yeah. to have two major league umpires who would come in in the offseason <laughs> and, and talk baseball for an hour on KXNO from an umpire's perspective? I mean, that's... It was a great show. It, it was a great show. It absolutely was a great show. So I got to thinking about Tim. I wonder how he's doing because, you know, there was, um, you know, I stand up for at the All-Star Game a couple of years mm-hmm. ago and the umpires, one of them, um, recognized Tim McClellan, who I guess was going through a bit of a scare. And I have not seen an update from him. But no. I got to thinking about uh, Tim. And, of course, Coop, yeah. who's an Iowa State grad, still lives in Iowa, or still lives in Des Moines, rather. Uh, there's three of them, right? There's, um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> there's a there's a third Des Moines ump that lives here, and you always you say his name during baseball season. Yes. I say, and I always say, um, I forgot he was from Iowa. Yes. Oh my God, I can picture. You can picture. Well, him. I'll, I'm gonna uh, go to timeout and. Um, How about this, Patrick Hoiberg? Well, well he is too. There, there's four. That's not the one I'm thinking of, but he's another one. Graduated yes. from Urbandale. Yes, there, there's four. Keep going, Trent. Mike Everett. There you go, Thank Mike you. Everett. And every time that Everett's mm-hmm. name comes up, I mm-hmm. always say. I forgot he was from Iowa. Yeah, four umpires. Hoiberg wasn't in the league when Tim before Tim had retired. Pretty sure about that. But uh, yeah, Hoiberg, Cooper, and Mike Everett. Take a time out. We'll talk Super Bowl next with Ryan Van Bibber, SBNation.com. Uh, then uh, still to come, Rob Doster on college basketball from a national perspective. He's a weekly contributor to the program. On Friday... I've done this forever, and Trent and I have done it the last couple of years we've been together. We reach out to all of our NFL voices, all of our NFL guests, meaning we'll get Nick Athen on the Chiefs, we'll get Tim Yotter on the Vikings and Paul Allen on the Vikings, Jeff Hughes on the Bears, Dave Sinekin on the Packers. We'll get an update on the four local teams very briefly, you know, what they've been up to. So if you're a fan of one of the locals, you hear those voices, uh, what they, your team has done so far in the offseason, get their perspective on the Super Bowl as well. We will do that on Friday. Uh, Claxons, do you have the winner speaking of Friday? Do you have the winners in front of you? I do. We had a three-way tie. So tell me, three-way tie was three and one. Two and two. Two and two is all it took to get some claxons and get the tiebreaker. Our tiebreaker this week, total points from Drake and you and I, mm-hmm. they combined for 151. Big number this week, including uh, 80 
Well, out of the Bulldogs, they put eight. No, you and I put eighty up into a seventy-one on the other side. Regardless, uh, the two and two winners are first place. Bill Hartman, he gets thirty-five dollars to Claxons and Jim Kelly with twenty-five to Claxons. We will do that on Friday at eleven forty-five. We'll have a whole bunch of Super Bowl props. We'll do the point spread, probably the total, but it'll be all Super Bowl. Uh, the Claxons giveaway uh, coming up on Friday. We will take the time up before we do that. I want to tell you about our friends, Doctor Stephen Fuller, FullerFamilyDentistry.com. He's my dentist. If you're new to the area, if you haven't been to the dentist for a while and it's uh, time maybe to get back, get the teeth cleaned, or you have some dental work that needs to be done, Doctor Stephen Fuller, two and enthusiastic. Enthusiastic thumbs up from me, 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. FullerDental.net is where you can find them on the web. We come back to talk NFL with the Ryan Van Bibber next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Apparently the Hoberg family's been listening in. Yes. We've upset the people of Urbadilla. It's not Hoiberg. Hoberg. Clean up on aisle four. Uh, we appreciate the call and uh, and the correction. Uh, let's get it right. Pat Hoberg uh, yes. is the MLB umpire. I think he was. Did he just get uh, the call to the show last year? Recently, maybe yes. a couple of years. Yes, uh, full time yeah. ump. Yeah, good for him. Uh, we'll talk more. Obviously, baseball in the weeks slash months to come because Trent and I are both huge. MLB fans, Ryan Van Bibber, SB Nation. We also love the NFL, and sadly it ends this Sunday. At least the uh, actual games on the field. Ryan, good to talk to you again. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, how are you, Ryan Van Bibber? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Uh, what's your biggest, I guess let's get right into it. Uh, if you're rooting for the Rams, um, what, what's, your, what's your biggest concern? Is it just the maybe the offensive line for New England, who I saw today, uh, their highest draft pick on the line is a third overall pick. They haven't given up a sack in the postseason. They're going up against a couple of really good tackles, obviously, but uh, is it just the, uh, how fast Brady gets rid of the football? Yeah, it really is because, I mean, you know, it, it's both the lines, really, but, you know, with the Patriots' offensive line and Brady's release, I mean, I think, you know, that's going to take Aaron Donald out of the game just a little bit for the Rams, and that sort of changes the scope of what they can do on their defense because he's such a force on the inside and, and has a way to get to quarterbacks, and he's usually kind of lined up off a guard or sometimes off a guard between a guard and a center, but, you know, he's usually right there with a direct line to the quarterback, I and mean, that's why he has 20 sacks on the season. So, um, But, you know, the, the Patriots are really smart about how they game plan for that kind of player, and, I, you know, they'll be a... Uh, They've done their research, I guarantee you, on Aaron Donald, and they have a plan for how to how to counteract that. So the Rams are going to have to figure out, you know, if Donald's out of the game, what do they get from Fowler? What do they get from Suh? What do they get from those other guys on the front line like Brockers? How can they mm. how can they take advantage of the Patriots, you know, trying to stop Donald? Seemingly every Super Bowl when the Patriots win it, there's a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, at least on the national scene, to to be a big part of it. From a guy like, oh, J.R. Redmond. And a couple years ago, though he's more well-known now, James White. Troy Brown early in his career. Troy Brown, a great one right there. Is there a guy you look at on this roster, kind of that that guy that becomes a household football name after that gets done for the Patriots? You know, I still the James White is still that guy for me mm-hmm. just because I mean they've gone against these teams so far in the playoffs that have not 
you know, been a, that have had questionable defenses and haven't done well with stopping the ball, with stopping the run. And then that's kind of the Rams' defense right there. I mean, they don't, you know, they can rush the passer. They've got, with, especially with since Talib came back in the secondary, they can they can match up on receivers, but they don't have the linebackers to really just kind of, you know, take the top off a running game like that. So. Um, that's going to be a matchup to watch right there because I think James White is the one that can get those yards and keep the ball moving, keep the chains going, chains going forward for the Patriots, and then you know you open a few things up for like you know like you saw in the championship game against Kansas City with you know some of those plays to Gronk and Edelman. Is there more pressure? Um, you know, concerning the Rams, is the pressure not on a player but maybe on a Wade Phillips? who shut, uh, you know, air quote, shut down the Patriots a couple of years ago in the AFC Championship, Super Bowl 50, when Denver won, and they had Tlaib, and they had Chris Harris, and they had Malik Jackson, and Wolf and Ware, and Miller, and they were able to pr- play press coverage and kind of limit that offense. Phillips is there again. Tlaib is still there. Great guys in the uh, interior of the line, as we just mentioned. Might Wade Phillips be as big of a key to this game in, as far as the Rams go as anybody? Yeah, he really is. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to take anything away from what they're going to have to do offensively against the Patriots. And I think the Patriots' defense has really sort of, after being, you know, uh, what looked like an Achilles heel for 16 games all season, has really been kind of an underrated story of the playoffs so far. But, you know, I, I think it's it, it's Wade Phillips against Tom Brady. I mean, it's really, you know, you, you got to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the bottom line is you can, get all, you can win all the matchups. But you got to stop Tom Brady, and if you can't do that, you're not going to win the game. So I, it's all about what they can do to negate Tom Brady. On the other side is Bill Belichick against Jared Goff, and a big couple of check marks, and certainly favor of Belichick there. Your thoughts on Goff going forward, and maybe the totality of him statistically a nice year. It seemed like maybe he took a step back though after the loss of Cooper Cup. What are your thoughts on Jared Goff going forward as a quarterback in this league? You know, I'm 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 optimistic. I mean, what you saw in his third season, obviously he had a rough season. I think you know people were quick to throw out the buzzword, uh, you know, after just one year with him, and he kind of he got it back together. I mean, I think his career is progressing in the way you want it to be. I mean, you know, with quarterbacks, you rarely. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes being the obvious exception this year, <laughs> but like you know, you you usually don't see quarterbacks peak in in year three. So, and I think he's on what looks to be a positive career trajectory. I mean, I'll be interested to see this, you know, what, where he struggled this season was when, when the pressure was off, you know, when, when defensive tackles and defensive linemen were getting close to him is where he tended to struggle a little bit. And that's what the Patriots have done really well in the playoffs so far. I mean, they've harassed quarterbacks in a way we didn't really think was possible coming into the postseason. So, you know, he's got to be able to handle that. And, 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 and this is where he's going to, this is obviously the biggest stage in all of football to prove that, hey, I, I can I can still make completions and find receivers and move the ball when I need to uh, with guys in my face. Well, his career arc changed significantly when uh, Fisher was shown the door and Jeff McVeigh <laughs> got the gig. Hey, if you're Bill Belichick, uh, if you you know you're going to take away something offensively. There's always one area of the offense that uh, that Belichick identifies. We're going to stop him. We're going to stop him. When it comes to the Rams, would it be maybe the running game? Is is he is he worried about Woods and Cook and um, the tight end position? 
I, I would think that the Patriots are going to sell out to stop the run, whether it be Gurley, who was a non-factor in New Orleans, and C.J. Anderson, who seemingly came off the off the street and has got his career back uh, going the right direction. Do you stop the run if you're Belichick? Is that what you're going to try and identify? Yeah, and, and you're really going to want to focus on Gurley. I mean, it's kind of funny. We, it's not it's not a it's not a perfect apples to apples comparison, but you know. You go back all the way to the beginning of this Patriots dynasty and then the one they sold out to stop in the Super Bowl the last time they played the Rams. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. Excellent point. It's going to be Todd Gurley this time because, you know, Gurley obviously is a monster in the run game. But, you know, he's really been an underrated asset. I mean, the stats are there. If you, if you had him on your fantasy team this year, you know this. But, uh, you know, he, the stats are there, and he was a huge part of that passing game. And in a way, sort of like... Edelman has been, in a way, especially once they lost Cooper Cup this season, you know, Gurley's picked up a lot of those shorter passes in the flat and things like that. So, I mean, I think this is a, you know, that's the guy that when he's on the field, they really have to stop him. Obviously, they have, you know, we've seen this time and again with their secondary, how they, you know, how they play, you know, two good receivers like that. They did well, they did that well against Kansas City. They're going to bracket coverage and they're going to, you know, they're going to put their, you know, their their best corner on one guy sometimes, and sometimes they're going to put two, you know, their their second and third corners on the better receiver and their top corner on the number two guy. It's just sort of they mix and match their coverages like that, and I think it's a, it's hard to game plan against that if you're an opponent. And it, and it also, you know, it seems to work pretty well. Everybody kind of sticks to their assignments, and, and things tend to work. Ryan, we haven't hit the dog and pony show yet. Already some headlines coming out including Nikel Roby Coleman, who was uh, got a fine last week, finally, from the NFL for that hit <laughs> in the NFC Championship game. And now he's calling out Tom Brady. What's he doing? I mean, no, is he really? Oh, yeah. Here, here's the You're going to poke Tom Brady. Age has definitely taken a toll. For him still to be doing it, that's a great compliment for him. But I think that he's definitely not the same quarterback he was. Mm. Movement, speed, velocity, arm strength. He can sling it, but he's not slinging it as much. Come on! No, I mean, he, he's forty-one, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you don't. I, I, as I can well attest, you don't move as quickly at forty-one as you do at thirty-five. Man, wait till uh, you turn sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Brady still might be playing at sixty. Yeah, really. He might very well be whatever whatever it is he's eating. It seems to be working. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's also it's kind of funny. It's, you saw this a little bit last year with the Eagles and and the Patriots in the Super Bowl in, in Minnesota last year. It's it's the, the Patriots have been there. I mean. It feels like a million times over the last 15 years. This is sort of old hat for them. And the Rams, it's excitement. They've got a pretty young team. It's a young coach, young coaching staff for the most part. So, you know, their 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 excitement and hype is, is going to get the best of them at times in public. And, you know, they're in, in front of the cameras every day, all week. So it's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be probably some – Plenty more circus moments to be seen. I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if the coaches had probably maybe, uh, especially Wade Phillips had pulled a had pulled a had pulled Nicole, had pulled him in and, and talked to him a little bit. Boy, he should. Ryan Van Beber, SBNation dot uh, com is our guest. Ryan, my last thing for you. I'm not sure Trent, you have something to follow up on, but uh, Ryan. Um, Yesterday, Tom Brady was was asked. He did a sit down interview. I don't remember Jeff Darlington, maybe, but I could be mistaken. Uh, and was asked point blank, you know, is is this it? If you win the Super Bowl, if the Patriots win the Super Bowl on Sunday, will you walk away from the game? And he definitively said, "I am not walking away. This is not going to be my last football game." 
Do you believe him, or is he getting out in front of a story that was and a question that was going to come up all week long, kind of trying to deflect the attention away from himself? Do you believe uh, that Tom Brady will not even have a second thought about if they win, he'll walk away? We'll see what happens. I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right there. This is a good way for him to just kind of like get this get this off the table and not have to answer this question a million because you get asked the same question a million times this week within that week before the Super Bowl. And Brady, of all people, is going to be in front of the cameras more than more than anybody else. So, I mean, I think it's pretty smart just to, as a way to not have to answer that question anymore. So, But he's going to get asked anyway. <laughs> the funny thing is, yeah. he's going to get asked about it after the game, win or lose, and he's going to get asked, asked about it you know, when they're cleaning out their lockers a week from, a, a week from Sunday. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he does retire. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more a conversation he has with Belichick and Kraft in private, and then it starts to kind of, you know, become a public thing in March or late March, early April, that era. I mean, and he's not going to walk away until they have a plan in place to kind of replace him. They're not going to let him just go and and leave them high and dry without a quarterback. We're asking everybody this. You're no different. Uh, who wins on Sunday? Well, I mean, I still have, I still carry a little bit of a soft spot for the Rams. I'm a St. Louis guy, yeah. even though that that went sort of bad for us. But uh, you know, I, I watched that team for a long time, so I'm kind of hoping they win. And I think I think they could. L. A. So, how are the people of St. Louis taking this? Is is there a groundswell of support? Is it a lot of middle fingers? What what's happening down in SDL? <laughs> it's a mixed bag. Okay, you know, it's not like we, you know, there wasn't. It wasn't like. You know, the way the team had been over the last few years before they left, there was, uh, you know, a massive fan base to begin with. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some hard feelings. There's a few bars where you, know, you go through darts and seeing Kroenke's picture instead of watch the game. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, there's a few more Patriots Patriots aligned bars than I've ever seen. So uh, that's kind of interesting to, to see that if you're really – you must really hate the Rams if you're going to if you're going to support the Patriots here. But uh, there's still a few diehards, and there's still a few people who, you know, a lot of it's just like, well, you know, it's a business. It's a little bit above my pay grade, and and it's still a good TV show, you know. Indeed, it is. Ryan Van Bibber, SB Nation. Ryan, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you, Ryan Van Bibber, SB. Nation.com. If you lived in St. Louis and they were your team and they were now the Rams, the LA's team, would you root for them? Boy, that's tough. No I mean, I just, way in hell. You know about it. Yes, I would never. If the Arizona Coyotes were ever in the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. well, I mean, before the Jets came back. Sure. Never. Never. Be a cold day in hell before I would ever do that. But you took them from LA first. Think of the Winnipeg Jets were first the Arizona Coyotes, then went to Winnipeg, then oh, went I back see. to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, well, that's it yeah, wasn't exactly yeah, St. Louis team. No, it's not. Good point. Yeah, they were obviously LA's yeah. team. Yeah. Fearsome foursome. Uh, yeah, it's different, isn't I it? I wonder, St. Louis football fans and older St. Louis, do they hate the Bidwells Cardinals. more or Cronky more? Cronky. More than Bidwell? Won a Super Bowl with Cronky on the team. And then took him away. And then took him away. But they I mean, were the St. Louis the, Cardinals. Yeah, but they were bad for the Damn. most. There was a couple of playoffs. Neil Lomax. Yeah, Jim Hart. Dan Deerdorf. Conrad Dobler. Johnny Johnson, returning Johnny, kicks. Johnny Johnson. St. Louis Cardinal football. Via Sekahima? Yeah, Sekahama. He uh, he, you know, he was still... probably the Arizona one, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he crossed over. One of my favorite helmets of, of all time is the Cardinal helmet. I don't know what it is about that. I always have liked it. And their actual uniforms are trash. Class it up. The helmet's great. The helmet's awesome. 
But then, then he got like an arena league. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, um, we'll take a time out. Good point. We will talk college hoops to finish out the program. Rob Doster, NBCSports.com. College basketball talk. We'll do that from a national perspective with Rob. We better get the break. He doesn't like it when we don't give him 12 minutes. Uh, we'll do that with Rob on the other side. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Join KXNO shows from your home or office anytime with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. Hey guys, Trent kind of back here once again. Time to talk about New Leaf Wellness. It is the final week of January and your final chance to get that 20% off deal going on right now. It's the food sensitivity test combined with their weight loss evaluation. Again, 20% off at New Leaf Wellness. Not just that, but a lot of different things they can help you out with to get in better health. Testosterone replacement therapy, migraine treatments, therapies including injections, and a whole lot more at New Leaf Wellness. Plus, with Valentine's Day right around the corner, they got a free gift for you. Just make a $15 purchase with their farmhouse fresh skin care products at New Leaf Wellness Center. Set up your free consultation today, 3930 West Town Parkway in West Des Moines, or give them a call, 650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. Again, 515-650-1358. And don't forget to tell them that Trent sent you. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, final segment here on a Monday. Zubin Mahente, John Miller amongst the uh, guests Joining us tomorrow, of course, Shelby Mast, uh, Gannett's Bracketologist, uh, BracketWag.com. Right now, Rob Doster. You can read Rob at NBCSports.com, part of College Basketball Talk. And he joins us to talk hoops on a national perspective, but we're going to touch on Iowa State, their big win at Ole Miss. I know you're watching, Rob. Let's start there, and uh, then we'll get to Kansas, Kentucky, I'm assuming, Michigan State, Purdue yesterday. That was eye-opening. But let's start with uh, with Iowa State. I believe they were the only road team in the the SEC Big 12 Challenge to come out on top. Lindell Wigington got going. Uh, what's this team's ceiling from your perspective? Rob, how are you? Uh, well, I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be back with you. Um, I think their ceiling is much higher if this is the Lindell Wigginton that we're going to see the rest of the year. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't really bought into the Ole Miss hype. I think they're probably closer to, like, a borderline tournament team than the top 15 or top 20 team that they've been ranked as over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, but it's still impressive to go in on the road. They, that building gets rocking uh, when Ole Miss uh, is playing. And, you know, Kermit Davis has done a good job getting the fans um, excited. they got a new arena down there. And, and it's not the easiest place to play. And, I mean, Iowa State went in there, and it was, it was never really in doubt. You know, I think they jumped out to a double-digit lead. Uh, was in the first five minutes and, and never relinquished it. And, uh, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker played well. But the difference is is Lindell Wigginton. And I, you know, I, I still think that he is probably the most talented scorer that they have on that roster. You know, I don't know if he's the most talented player. I think you could probably have, uh, you know, argue like three or four different guys um, as the most talented, guy, uh, most talented player. But I still think that Wigginton is the best scorer that they have. And, you know, getting him back and being a guy that can get you 18 points on a given night, even if he's coming off the bench. You know, I know that's not necessarily something that's going to be ideal for him, considering that he was the probably what like the the best guard coming back in the conference this year. So um, it's nice to see him kind of accepting this role a little bit. 
but you know you're not you're never going to start when you're shooting under 35 percent from the floor, which is what he was doing before this game. And you know he had 18 points, seven to ten shooting, three or four from three. And if he can get it going like this, I think that, that Iowa State becomes a different team. Um, you know, and and Cam Lard too. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't play great, and I, I still don't think that we've seen the best out of him yet this season. There were stretches last year, maybe like a three or four week stretch, where he was playing as well as any other big man in the conference. And if they can get that Cam Lard back, and we get this Lindell Whittington the rest of the year, I mean, look, that that's probably the most talented team of the Big Twelve. And I'm not going to sit here and say that anyone other than Kansas is winning the Big 12 until I actually <laughs> right. see somebody other yeah. than Kansas win the Big 12. But Iowa State is certainly uh, probably their biggest contender at this point. You know, Texas Tech, I just don't think that they can score enough. Um, Kansas State was uh, – that was abysmal what happened to them mm-hmm. at Texas A&M. That was an embarrassing loss. And, you know, I, I'm not on this uh, Oklahoma bandwagon or the Baylor bandwagon the way that other people are, but uh, – Looks like Iowa State might be the team to be able to uh, to get that done. So we'll see how it happens. But I mean, this is very much a team that can, you know, win the Big Twelve tournament. And I would not be shocked to see them in the Final Four um, up mm. in uh, Minneapolis. All right, and uh, short trip. Uh, be ready to see a lot of Cardinal and Gold up there uh, at US Bank if that's the case. Rob Doster joining us from NBC Sports. Let's go to the other side of the state. Iowa drops another one. This one on the road at Minnesota. What is you speaking of upside of Iowa State? What's the upside of this Iowa team? Are they just a team that can make the tournament again, maybe win a game, but that's it? Or do you see more than that when you watch this Iowa team? You know, I, I want to like them more than I do, mm-hmm. but if you can't get stops, you're not going to be able to beat right. the team. Yep. And that's really what it comes down to with them. And, and you know, early on in the season, they actually looked like they were able to, to be a pretty good defensive team. Um, and they were able to get some stops, and, and, and that's when we were kind of on them as a potential top 25 team. And, and, you know, talent and scoring is not the issue with this group. You know, Tyler Cook is as good as any big man that you find in, in college basketball. Luca Garza is, I just, I love watching that dude play. You know, he's the seven footers that play as hard as he does that also step out and knock down threes, mm-hmm. especially when they are goofy looking as he is. You know, I remember uh, he, he's from D.C. He went to yep. Ray. And I remember watching him when he was a freshman. I was, I was at a game. Uh, with a Division One coach who was recruiting somebody on Murray that was a senior when he was a freshman, and the coach was like, see that big guy right there? He's probably going to end up being a high major player. And I'm sitting there watching Luca Garza with these big old feet that are too big for him, <laughs> you know, falling up and down the floor, and he just he could barely move. But you could see that there was a shooting touch there a little bit. I think he was like 14 years old at the time, and he just he looked like such a goofball running up and down the floor. But, you know, it's, uh, it's panned out for him. It's a lot of fun to watch him play. And you know they have shooters all over the court. They have they they have guys that can make plays. Fran McCaffrey knows how to how to get a team to score. He just you know doesn't know how to get a team to play any defense. And if he can't play any defense, I think that you have your ceilings capped. They're one of these teams where you know on a given night where they get hot, they start banging their threes, and then their offense is clicking, especially playing at home. Uh, they can they can play with anybody. They can beat anybody. I think uh, you know I firmly believe that they 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 smoked Iowa State earlier this year. So. Um, the issue is whether or not they can string together multiple wins. And if you can't get stopped, I just can't see 
uh, you know, this Iowa team doing that. I want to talk Kansas-Kentucky with you. I was very impressed by Kentucky. Travis is such a nice piece for Calipari to have, a guy that's, you know, not not in the SEC, but in the Pac-12. I mean, he comes as a senior, a grad transfer. He's bigger physically than, uh, than most of his teammates, and I thought it showed in that game against Kansas. No bench points uh, for the Wildcats on Saturday, but this is a Kansas, uh, Kentucky team, rather, uh, whose team is, I think, pointing upwards. Uh, do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I do. I think that they're kind of hitting their stride. And this really shouldn't be surprising for us with, with Coach Cal teams at this point. right? But it seems like they always have these crisis uh, situations early on in the year. And um, he starts figuring out the rotation a little bit. And the guys on his roster start figuring out what he wants them to do. And, you know, by late January, early February, we start saying, hey, you know, Kentucky might be back. And they're heading into the tournament. We're like, well, yep, Kentucky definitely is back. So uh, this team, the one thing with them is they might be peaking a little bit too early. You know, we always talk about the best time to peak is in March, and, and you know, this Kentucky team might be uh, six weeks ahead of schedule. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I, you mentioned Reed Travis, and, yes, he was really good um, against Kansas because that was a matchup that worked for him. They just didn't have any big bodies inside that, that could, uh, you know, handle the strength that he had. Right. Uh, but for me, P.J. Washington yeah. was the key to that game. Yep. You know, he's, I think he finished with, like, 20 and 13, blocked a couple shots. Mm-hmm. Against Mississippi State earlier in the week, he had 21 and 6. With four blocks, knocked home uh, three threes. And I think his ability, you know, Reed Travis just kind of is what he is, right? Like, he's a really good player and does what he does well, but he's limited in terms of certain matchups, right? There's going to be games where he's going to be played off the floor because, you know, maybe they have big, strong guys inside that have more length. He, he kind of gets rendered a little bit ineffective. That's why you see, if you look at his game log, they'll have games where he scores 19 points with nine boards, and the next day he's one for nine from the floor with three points and, you know, fouls out 15 minutes or whatever. But P.J. Washington is the X factor because he's 6'7". He's got that 7'2 wingspan. He's starting to knock down threes a little bit. Um, he's kind of embraced this idea that he's a power forward, but he's athletic enough where he's really shown the ability to get by people on the perimeter if he's guarded by a bigger defender. And on, on Saturday, what we saw was him really only with uh, a guard, you know, Kansas has this kid, Marcus Garrett, and in the last three games, he was averaging 17 points. You know, he went from a guy that, uh, that that was kind of like a little bit inept offensively to being a real threat because Bill Self figured out ways to scheme him, basically doing all that he can do, you know, coming off of a dribble handoff, getting to his right hand and going to the rim. Um, and, 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 and Bill Self, you know, you can say all you want about Bill Self. He is incredible at being able to scheme his guys and do situations where they're going to be able to be effective. And he did that for the three games prior with Marcus Garrett. And he tried to do it again against Kentucky. And P.J. Washington kind of slowed him down. You know, that was his job. And Coach Cal basically said, look, we're going to have you guarding a wing for you know, the 33 minutes that you're on the floor, and you're going to have to be able to play small. And that's the way that we're going to win. P.J. Washington stepped up. Go and look at the box. Marcus Garrett, one for nine for the floor. Three turnovers, the worst game that he's had. Uh, you know, since the Doka Azubuki went down with the wrist injury. So, um, yeah, to me, it's just the PJ playing like that. That's that's when they become a different team. You know, the, it, we always talk about uh, the NCAA tournament is all matchup based, right? Like, are you going to be able to play big? Are you going to be able to play small? Are you going to be able to match up with the team that goes four guards? You know, that that's what happened to Virginia last year. And to me, PJ Washington is the guy that lets Kentucky play big if they have to and play small when they have to. When your best team has a guy that lets you play big and small at the same time without changing the five guys you have on the floor, that's when you really become matchup proof. So that's kind of what the difference makes for me is uh, with the Kentucky team. 
to the Big Ten again and uh, over to the West. Isaac Copeland lost for the rest of the year with a knee injury to Nebraska. Tim Miles, if they don't make the tournament, even with this injury, is he out of a job? I don't know. You know, it feels like we've been saying that Tim Miles was on the hot seat yes. for years and years and years, and, and every time we turn around, you know, he's popping up and, and he's winning another basketball game or he's got another uh, – he's coming back or he's got another contract or whatever. If you're going to make a move, um, I think that this – would probably be the year because he's got a kind of like a senior heavy class. Isaiah Roby might end up going to the NBA. So if you lose Roby, you're going to lose Palmer and you're already, you've already lost Copeland. That's basically their three best players. And um, they're going to go into rebuilding mode as it is. And, and, you know, you got a new AD in there as well. So if you're going to make a change, this is probably going to end up being the Yorks is the same. And I really like Tim Miles. I think that he's had some really bad luck in terms of his teams. You know, I think last year might have been the best team that he had at Nebraska and just the way that the Big Ten schedule broke down, he wasn't able to put together a strong enough profile to get to the tournament. Um, and, you know, and this year, losing Isaac Copeland. You know what the worst part about that injury is? It was totally unnecessary. Right. I don't know if you saw the play, but, yep. you know, there was a foul on the – no, there was a travel on the perimeter, mm-hmm. and Copeland went to the basket and tried to dunk it. And, and um, you know, somebody from Ohio State jumped up and tried to block it, didn't want to let them have the dunk. The way that he landed, he ended up – popping his ACL on a totally unnecessary yep. thing. And it just it, it sucks that that's the way that, you know, I don't want to say that's the way that their season is going to come to an end because I still think that there is enough on that right. Nebraska has enough talent and enough scoring, and I think Tim Miles is a good enough coach for that team to get the wins they need to in order to get back to the NCAA tournament. You don't have to do all that much in the Big Ten this season. You know, I, I think they're – at the end of the day, you might be able to get into the tournament with an 8-12 and record in Big Ten play. I think that the league is that strong, and I think that the rest of the conferences, the Pac-12, the American, uh, the Atlantic 10, uh, the WCC, the Mountain West, are going to produce few enough uh, at-large bids that I do think it's possible for an 8-12 and Big Ten team to end up getting into the NCAA tournament. Wow. Maybe that ends up being Nebraska, but... Uh, you know, losing Isaac Copeland is certainly not going to make it easy for them. Mm, uh, let's uh, finish up with Michigan State. Purdue stay in the Big Ten. A very entertaining game yesterday. Giving Michigan State credit, fighting back, uh, just unable to get uh, you know over the hump as Purdue just jumped on him early, held him to seventeen, no nineteen. Beg your pardon, nineteen points uh, after the first twenty minutes. Big big win for Purdue, who's really good at home as we've seen. But Michigan State's uh, winning streak in conference play comes to an end. What did you see in that game? Um, it, it's it's kind of hard for me to figure this out, right? So that was Michigan State's third game this week. They played on Monday, they played on Thursday, they played on Sunday. Uh, the, that was their fourth game in five that was on the road, and their second straight that was on the road. They were they looked like they were tired. They they came out came out of the gate playing like they were tired, and Purdue threw this this, this little wrinkle in their offense where they basically had like dribble handoffs. Um, coming off of like a double screen and it was a little bit of a, a tweak and an action that I don't think we've necessarily seen all that often from Purdue and it took a little while for, for Michigan State to figure it out so put all of it together you're playing on the road you're playing your third game in seven days you're playing your second straight on the road and fourth out of five on the road your team is tired you're due for a bad game go into one of the toughest places in America to play against a team that, that I think they made what like nine or ten threes in the first half and it's just, and, and they do something that you've never seen before. And I think everything just kind of built up, built up, built up. 
and all of a sudden Michigan State is down by 23 points early in the second half. Now, if I would have told you heading into that game that Carson Edwards was really? going to be four for eight yeah. Yeah. floor, would you ever no. think that Purdue would have won by double digits? Uh-uh. I don't think they would have won. I, I, I thought they would have got beaten by double digits. It's... Yeah, I mean, he was three for 16 from the floor the first time that they played, and Purdue ended up losing by 20. So I think it was... Aaron Wheeler stepped up. He had a great game. I thought Ryan Klein played really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Purdue. Arms. Uh, yeah, they, they. I mean, all those guys had really good games. The uh, the supporting cast played really mm-hmm. well, um, which tends to happen when you are playing at home. So, um, I, I think that part of this was Michigan State just like had a clunker, which happens on the road after you played three games in seven days. I think part of it was. Purdue just showed up and, and basically played the best possible game they could play. I think that Matt Painter uh, schemed a way to beat a Michigan State team that really is not all that athletic. Um, and, you know, you put all that together, and, and this is the result you get. I don't think that this is evident. I, I don't know how much you guys look at Kempom, but um, Purdue has been like a top-10 team in most yep. of these metrics for most of the year. And I don't think that this necessarily confirms that, but I do think that this is a win they needed to get. And, and I think Purdue is probably – I'd say they're right there with like Maryland to be the third best team mm-hmm. uh, in the Big Ten, and I think that they're probably like top fifteen nationally. But that was a heck of a performance, and, and you know, really a statement win with Carson Edwards not shooting well. Ten seconds. Who do you got in the Super Bowl? I know you're a degenerate like me. <laughs> Ten seconds. I, I want to see the Rams win. I cannot root for the Pack. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Rob. We'll talk to you next Monday. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you, Rob Doster, NBC Sports. We are out of time. Uh, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Morning Rush tomorrow morning starts your Tuesday. Thanks for being with Trent and I on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.